Ready graphics? Ready theme? I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And this is FYI, the Murphy Brown podcast. With a Russian flavor. Also, we're getting into prime corky here. I just, I want a mini-sode of just Phil versus Olga. Really, Murphy? Really? Really, Murphy? It says princess power. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about season one, episode 16, Moscow on the Potomac. Hi, it's Lauren. Hey, it's Jesse. Welcome back to the show. Welcome. Here we are. Ready for a new episode? We are. And uh, it's a, a very topical episode. It is. We're going to be talking about Russians. Russian and Russian relations. Oh. <laughs> in all their forms in this episode. Again, full circle moment on the podcast. Why the show is relevant. Yes. <laughs> this week's episode is directed by Barnett Kelman. Indeed. It is written by Cy Duquesne and Denise Moss. It aired on March 13th of 1989. And it is a riff off of the film, we're guessing, mm-hmm. Moscow on the Hudson, which was a 1984 film starring Robin Williams, directed by Paul Mazursky. And it is a sort of comedy drama about Robin Williams' character, who is a Soviet circus musician who defects to the United States. I always forget about that movie. Can't remember a lot of it, but I watched a lot as a kid. Yeah, I, I, when it's mentioned, I go, oh, yeah. I, it's one of those movies that I remember seeing probably often because I think it was just constantly mm-hmm. playing on TV, but that I don't think of when I think of like Robin Williams' filmography. Oh, but something interesting from last episode, mm-hmm. Mama said, that we learned from our friend, thank you, Corby, mm-hmm. is that we were actually correct. The writers did decide that Murphy is Avery, Murphy's mother's maiden name. You need, you all need to understand how excited Lauren and I were that we were right about this. Because we talk a lot about our headcanon. And first of all, we were both excited that we had come to this conclusion separately. Yeah. With the same mind. And then to find out that we were right. And then get this, even addition to it, is that Corby said that this was something that they all knew but was never said in an episode, is that they believe that Avery is actually Avery's mother's maiden name. Yes. And so it's a tradition. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. It's, it's great. It's, I think it's quite beautiful. And it, I was just having a conversation. We were at a, I was at a wedding last night, and mm-hmm. we were talking about um, one, of my, one of my closest friends. Her middle name is her mother's maiden name, and it's something that we have, I've heard often from people of our generation. So it feels very, very familiar. And it just, I don't know, I love the connection of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe even going farther back, Rose was a last name, Mm -hmm. and then it became a first name. Exactly. Maybe the tradition will continue. And in a way, it it has in a bit way, Mm -hmm. I mean, not the last name, but Avery is a family name. Mm -hmm. And it has been passed on to Murphy's son. Yeah, really pretty. I like that. It reminds me of when we talked about the the Jewish tradition. Yeah, of the names. I'm like, it's a nice little, um, Gentile version. I I enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) So the the song used in the opening of the episode is one of my favorites. It's Don't You Worry About a Thing by Stevie Wonder. It's a single taken from his 1973 album, Inner Visions. It reached number two on the R&B chart. So something interesting about this song, especially from, we're talking about a lot of Motown in the show, is the tune is in E-flat minor. It starts with a Latin piano intro. And the opening melody is reminiscent of Horace Silver's song for my father. Something that is interesting about this song, since we talk about a lot of Motown, is this one is a little a little fusion. And it starts with a Latin piano intro, and it's considered a Latin soul song. And uh, I know we talked about when uh, we had Isn't She Lovely, I said that 76 seemed like the latest that we had for mm-hmm. a song, and this is 74. Yeah, this is a, a one of the more modern songs. Yeah, and I... I 
I could be wrong, but I think we grow out of that as we go further into the series. We do. There yeah. aren't a lot of 70s songs yeah. that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, so we start off with Murphy, and she is wrapping a present. And what's interesting to me is that she starts off wrapping this present with She-Ra wrapping paper. It says princess power. Well, because that was her No, thing. I I know. <laughs> um, but I was dying because at first I didn't see She-Ra on it. Oh. And I just saw princess. And I was like, what the? This doesn't seem right. And then all of a sudden I saw princess power. And I was like, oh my gosh, is it? Oh my gosh, is it? And I rewound and I was like, it's She-Ra. <laughs> I was so happy. Not only is it She-Ra, which... I, I'm assuming from your tone, we were both super into yes. as young children. I dressed up like she for Halloween. I loved her so much. I was upset that I didn't have the blonde hair. We tried to like spray paint my hair. It didn't work because we couldn't afford the wig. And my mother bribed me in second grade with she dolls. Why don't you tell people who she was if they aren't familiar? So for those of you who don't know, she was like the, an- the feminist answer to He-Man back in the day. Um, she's the alter ego of Princess Adora. And she's the twin sister of Prince Adam, a.k.a. He-Man. She was supposed to appeal to young girls the same way that he did to young boys. And for those of us, like myself, who watched He-Man because I refused to believe that those things were just for boys. Agreed. This was, like, my intro to what became my Xena Warrior Princess obsession. Oh, hey, yeah. This is, like, this is the reason that that I was so obsessed with Xena. Because I was like, yes, you can always have the the alter ego on the other side that is just as strong, if not stronger. her outfit's very similar. She has a white horse. It's not too revealing. wait, is it a unicorn or a horse? Yeah, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn pegasus. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just said it out loud and went, wait, no. I was no. like, wait a second. It's I knew there was unicorn. something else to it. Yeah. yeah. And what's really interesting, other than the fact that it's connected to our childhood like mm-hmm. Murphy is, mm-hmm. is that if people aren't aware, there is a new She-Ra coming back to Netflix. Yeah, there is. And what also makes it great is that it has a female queer showrunner. I'm so excited because I also feel like we're, because Netflix is so willing to lean in and we have this brilliant showrunner, we're talking about her mount, like the rainbow-clad Pegasus unicorn. Right. That you're, I'm like, I just cannot wait to see this on a screen. So speaking of wrapping paper references, <laughs> so Murphy cuts it wrong and it's too short and it doesn't go all the way over, so she has to throw it out. Obviously, she ran out of the she paper. She must be going to a lot of birthday parties. Oh, for Jean Kinsella's kids. Right. That must be what it's exactly. for. Exactly. No, that's absolutely that's who it's what for. Left, yeah. Yeah, it's left over from that. I just like imagining that Murphy wraps everything in she wrapping paper. Like, it's not <laughs> that she goes to Kinsella's child party every party it's that everyone gets something in shira rapping i don't know if i believe that that's my head cannon. okay hey listen <laughs> i respect you can have your head cannon. that's why she ran out yes so the next one is so 1990 <laughs> oh my god it looks like it should be at the facts of life store in the last couple of seasons when they ran a really hip store with party favors and neon stuff you know what it made me think of mm-hmm. uh contact paper inside people's kitchens in the 90s oh, you're that's what it made me think. I was like, I'm used to seeing utensils on top of that. But it also is sort of a little bit of a familiar memory for me because my cousin owned a store like that from the, like in the Facts of Life. That's so cool. It was on Christopher Street. It got so big, it was called Greetings, that they took over two stores. And in fact, when I was a kid, I didn't understand that the rainbow in the window, I just thought that it was just a rainbow in the window. And rainbows were Aww. like all over my wall growing yeah. up. And that was also our safe word. With, uh, safe word. <laughs> that was my uh, safe word? Okay, anytime that you're doing something in a recording now and I need you to edit, I'm just going to, wrapping paper, wrapping paper, wrapping paper. No, it's rainbow. Rainbow, 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 rainbow. 
Pull back. Pull back. We're going to take that. I'm going to keep this in the episode, but I'm going to take it back myself. Oh. No, when in the, remember in the 90s when they said that if a stranger picks you up, they have to give you a secret word? So yes. They, so you're, like the password. Yes. Yeah. That was Rainbow in my family because, I mean, it's a very 70s thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so I didn't understand that, that that's what the rainbow was. I was like, my cousin has a little rainbow in the window and I love rainbows. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so happy. But also, you know, it wasn't different to me. Like he no. he brought his longtime boyfriend to to parties, and mm-hmm. and they were always in my life. And so I I grew up not thinking that this was supposedly like a wrong thing. Everyone, that's why representation matters. Yeah. Because when you when you stop othering people and just treat them and see them as normal people, you realize there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, he was my cousin's partner as much as my father is my mother's partner. Yeah, my. My one of my best friends when I was a kid had two moms, and my parents never made a thing of it. There was never a a question about that they were good people and they were raising her very well, and that they were very kind to me when I was a guest. And so there was there was never a point where I questioned the whether or not it was wrong because yeah. it clearly wasn't. They were a married couple, just like everybody else's parents. Yeah. My cousin unfortunately passed away in the late 80s, and um, I still have stickers from the store that I've kept, mm. just to remind me of him. I love a sticker. Yeah. Anyway. So this is a great opening mm-hmm. scene. It, it has nothing to do with the actual episode. Mm-hmm. It's Exactly. I, I realized at the end of it, we never go back to why she's been wrapping something. Well, we find out what's in the box mm-hmm. later, but she never actually gives it to her. It, it you don't need it for the episode. I think it's adorable and lovely. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that Candace Bergen throws the tape. Oh, I love it. Is kind of ridiculous. I also love that she almost wraps the dinosaur at one point. Oh, I noticed and that. And saves it. Yeah. And the, I just wrote it. I was like, you know, at this point, you can hire people to do this, Murphy. Yeah. Well, I guess it's because she didn't really buy it in a store. But secretaries. She doesn't have one. I know. <laughs> That's the problem. But I always appreciate... And they show that Murphy, in everything else other than her job, is a total mess. Yes, exactly. Yes. So eventually, she just takes the garbage bag, and <laughs> I pops love it. She a green, throws it in there, throws it in, pops a green bow on it. Done. Yep. Also, love the outfit, by the way. It's phenomenal. is that like an olive dress? It, that's what it looked like on my screen. Yeah, and then sort of a peach jacket with yeah. a tie yeah. thing. It's it's real. I mean, I would wear that. Right I would now. wear that too. Yeah, and gold jewelry, which isn't my thing. I'm a silver person, but Same. it works. It works on Candace Bergen. She's got and, that coloring. Yeah, yellow tones don't look good on me. So gold jewelry, unless I'm trying to look like you know an elf in the forest, which and, I often am, I don't wear it. And we're both translucent. Yes. So this is probably the color thing. Exactly. Okay. So uh, so Murphy comes out of the. Well, first she puts leaves the gift in the office and we never see it again yep and then she goes to the coffee island and frank is not very happy at all he has spilled coffee in his shirt he doesn't want to be there he has about 50 cassettes to screen i Um, love how he just smiles through the pain he does he's just just letting it happen he cut himself shaving (laughs) murphy notices that he's bleeding he has (laughs) he has to be on location by three but no miles made them be there for it's a special guest who's coming for them to meet because it's the first joint Soviet-U.S. satellite dedication. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Jim enters. Oh, before. Yeah, sorry. Um, I just want to, the first thing that Frank says about oh, you're Ladia. A, you should say that, that's right. Is that she probably needs a shave more than I do. Yeah, he's, he's a little mean about it, but he's but, irritated. Well, no, but I love that, obviously, there's a bait and switch when they enter. Oh, over, that, yeah. Which I actually found surprising that they, um, they didn't play more into thinking that Olga was her 
like that opening joke that I was kind oh, of expecting. Yeah. I was expecting because of that line that we were setting up that we would think Olga was her. Yeah. And that we would have this whole thing that would happen. And then it didn't. I guess it was hard because Miles was there. Exactly. Yeah. which And they know the her that she's the Murphy. Like, we've all seen her yeah. before. But again, if we've all seen her before, then why would he make that comment? Except that he's dissing Russians. It's a whole thing that I was, I was waiting for the joke of, you must be Vladia. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. And she also said that she got her the, what the present is yeah so the which pre- was a very american yes, gift. it's a lottery tickets and a towel from the watergate hotel i mean it's a great gift for a, a journalist uh, also something that i really noticed and we've had this before but like something that is very different in contrast probably to today is there are all these newspapers on the table mm-hmm. and i i wonder if today there wouldn't be yep mm-hmm I mean, I just think that a lot of certain people do still read the newspaper. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same reason why I still buy books. Yeah, but I feel like the gist of our news is from the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or you, they're on their tablets or, you know, yeah. they have a, I won't say it unless they want to, like, be a sponsor, but there's a particular, like, magazine um, app subscription you can get. So Jim enters with... You know, it seems like only yesterday I was working in college at the affiliate in Chicago when news of Sputnik came over my car radio. Then he does this thing where he, like, looks up in a way, like he's visualizing the memory. God, I love that car. A 53 Buick Roadmaster. Driving along with the top down, the cold wind stinging my face. Oh, there was the occasional bug. I sold it for $200. Boy, did he see me coming. I also (laughs) sort of love the the way that they dispense information in this Mm -hmm. episode, because Frank... Frank sort of gives it away a little bit, right? He says that there's this Russian newswoman coming. Uh-huh. And then when Jim comes in, he goes, oh, I see Vladia Ronkov hasn't arrived yet. Oh, okay, yes. we have her name. Yep. And then Frank, you know, Frank is like, well, I don't have to get excited because it's not my Soviet counterpart. Mm-hmm. Okay, we now have all this information. Exactly. It's again, it's without an exposition dump. You just get all the information through dialogue and then throwing shade at each other. Yeah. And uh, I love that Murphy's like, you you pitiful jaded man with a stained shirt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the, Murphy's even excited about this. She's you know. Stoked. Yeah. So Frank is still really irritated because she's not there yet. He's got, he's got to get going. And the elevator dings, of course. And mm-hmm. off the elevator comes Miles, then who we'll find out is Vladia, and Olga, her secretary. And again, oh, he said something like, did her tractor break down? That's right. Yeah. Again, like all of these, which I appreciate the idea. That, and we kind of, they kind of do this with, um, with Kyle as well, where like all the people who are expecting assuming one thing, all switch their assumptions. So Murphy mm-hmm. starts off really excited and everyone else is groaning. And then we have this, and then it everyone flips. flips it. Yeah, good um, point. I hadn't thought of that. I was like, oh, there it is. Because I was the second that she was cool with it and nobody else was, I was like, uh-oh. I also like that Vlad is wearing red. Oh, yeah. It's very it's like, it's Soviet. A, it's also Murphy red. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and I think they cast, you know, we'll talk about Robin in a mm-hmm. moment, a brunette to contrast oh, Murphy. So you have, it's like two signs, it's a mirror, mm-hmm. it's two sides of the same coin. Well, and the same thing with like the melon color that happens, they swap that. Yes. So at the end, they're wearing the melon. Miles has no cards. <laughs> See, he's trying so hard. I, I'm sure he actually mostly has it because he tries to pronounce Olga's uh, full name. <laughs> and he asks her if he got it right. And she goes, No. <laughs> She's so good. I know. She's so wonderful. So Murphy and Vladia share what I call professional niceties. Yes. Murphy has her professional voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she admires Murphy. Oh, that means so much. Blah, blah, blah. You know. yeah, the canned answers they're used exactly, to getting yeah. from, from colleagues. Jim, Jim goes, hands across the water, as it were. <laughs> so and then Frank is just love at first sight, pushes in front of Jim, looks like, you know, he's absolutely in love with her, you know, introduces himself. His um, full title. 
He does. Frank Montana. Investigative report. Vladia seems to like everything that Frank is doing. Oh, Vladia likes everything that Frank brings to the table. <laughs> uh, Jim has to literally like pull Frank away, you know, to leave. Mm-hmm. He's he's enamored. Well, what, and what I really appreciate, and the same thing we say about having having the show be about people of a certain age as opposed to, except for quirky, but like young yeah. hot things that are running around. Yeah. Like Frank is not a leading man. By any means. Which is why they didn't want to cast Joe in the first place. Exactly. But what's so great about it is the idea of his his charisma and his his integrity in in what he does makes him so attractive to her. It's not like it's not like Jake walked in and it's like two massive hotties see each other and they're just into it. It's it's like minds recognize and he has this confidence because of who he is. Totally that makes him so attractive. Oh my gosh. I would have gone for Frank. Miles, Murphy, and Vladia are left alone. And Vladia thanks Miles and says that he, he probably wants to go off because his superior has, you know, more errands for him to run. <laughs> and this section is always shown in clips mm-hmm. to explain who Miles is. Because his, his great defense is I have a bathroom in my office. <laughs> but I love, I love the beginning of it is I'm Miles Silverberg, the executive producer, the top dog, the big kahuna. But it's just funny to me that I know that this scene is shown a lot, you know, in interviews to be like, let's explain who Miles is. It, it sums him right up. So so Miles leaves and uh, and he, he says kind of like a kid, like, I have to go return a phone call for the White House. Honest. The honest part is what gets me. It's like, he's like <laughs> a little tiny child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Murphy and Vladia go towards her office and she calls Olga Sonia. And she has to remind her that Sonia was last week. I am Olga. Sonia was last week. <laughs> uh and, and for the first time, we see that Murphy and Vladia have something in common. Mm-hmm. They can't keep a secretary. <laughs> and then Corky comes in late and does... Now, I know the idea of, you know, did I leave the, leave something on is kind of an old trope joke, but I really love the way that Faith Ford plays this part. I It's so relatable. It's my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's but it's done nightmare. a lot in comedy. It is. But I but she plays it... It doesn't know, feel old. It doesn't. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. And she, she comes in and does this whole thing back and forth. And then I love the fact that she's just about to, you know, go, and then, and then Murphy just has to stop her. Also, we're getting into prime corky hair. Oh, yeah, we are. This is, they finally figured out what to do with her hair. Yep. And this yep. this is going to take us through at least, you know, season two and three. And this is what I think of as like classic corky this hair. Is, this is what she does. Yeah. And then she says, this is Corky Sherwood. She also is on the show. <laughs> She doesn't get a title. <laughs> no. <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed right now. So Murphy thinks that they should get into her office and get back to work. But she, she Vladia has some alone time with Corky, who <laughs> who wants to, you know, be sure to tell her, wink, wink, so yeah. to speak. Are we baby feminists? <laughs> yes. Um, if she needs to extend her stay in America, that, you know, she doesn't let her, let her know. She knows people. Yeah. Uh, and then she says... Don't be afraid to enjoy your personal freedoms while you're here. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me of Norman Lear has a podcast now mm-hmm. that I've started listening to. It's fantastic. And he had Mary Kay Place on. Mm. And they were talking about Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Now, I never watched it. I know it from mm-hmm. TV history, but I never got to watch it. And she said that her character um, had a moment where she goes on TV and she talks about, you know, she's met a lot of Jewish people. And she goes, I can't believe they killed our Lord. <laughs> and, and they had this whole conversation about she just doesn't 
know no. any better. That's the circumstances in which she comes from. Mm-hmm. It's not that she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. She just had never met a Jew before, and that mm-hmm. was what she was told. And so this moment sort of reminded me of that, this sort of stereotype of, that, that as far as Corky knows, mm-hmm. America good, Russia bad. Well, and also, I would say it's a little bit more than that because it's a, there is an ignorance in assuming that the differences are bad for everybody, that like, yes. their differences are negative. That's what I mean. But as opposed to just being ignorant, she's also trying really hard to be like a progressive liberator. Yes, she is. And I don't want to take that away yeah. from Corky. I just, just the, She's missing some facts. The essence of it, because I just listened to this interview, remind me mm-hmm. of that idea. Sure. Is that, And that's what we're going to see with Corky, is that as her world expands mm-hmm. and she learns more, she's able to then add on to... Her, the progressive views mm-hmm. she wants to have. Well, and I think this is these are the moments which, which is why I just feel like Corky wins like the most improved player award oh. at the end of the seasons. You know, because she's at just the end of the series. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Is that she's as opposed to several other characters who know who they are and feel like they have reached their enlightenment. She is constantly trying to actually better herself and understand people, and I I love it so much. And I I love that. In this scenario, it's not necessarily that Corky doesn't have the information. It's that she's heard information and she's just made some judgment calls. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest arc in the series for character is Corky. Is Corky. And that was something that Diane promised her. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to play just another dumb blonde. Yep. And she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't. So uh, after Corky leaves, Vladia uh, <laughs> turns to Murphy and, and says that in her country, Corky would be working in a bakery. She makes the same same knee-jerk reaction yeah. that Murphy did. Then my country, she'd be working in the bakery. So the two of them seem to have come to this place of unified similarity, and they're both smirking about their things. And then we cut to later, and they're coming out of the offices. What's interesting to me is they're in the back. In the back offices. Which I think yeah. is where you watch stuff. Exactly. Because you have the TVs in the yeah. bullpen or what's playing now, mm-hmm. probably. But whenever we see them sort of huddled over, you know, a tape of something, mm-hmm. it seems to be in that back room. Exactly. Uh, so they come out and the the atmosphere has changed. Uh, we now see they're both kind of chomping at the bit. And we hear that Murphy is saying, you're forgetting change in the political climate is is what made this possible. So that has to be the lead in the story. And then... We have Vladia coming back with the same intensity, the same Murphyisms with a Russian flavor, saying, no, without the technological advancements, that would it wouldn't even exist. So that has to be the lead and the theme of the story. They're face to face in the bullpen. And Murphy says, I think if you take the time to consider my idea, you will agree. And then Vladia says, OK, well, then you have to consider mine as well. And they both say, of course. And they sit and they breathe. And then they both cannot do it. It's so, They're so in sync as being two sides of the same coin in mm-hmm. this moment. They, they're like, absolutely, I'll consider it. No, I can't. And their <laughs> outfits. Like, Vladia yeah. is in this, which is beautiful, this bright blue with this sort of pink shirt. And Murphy is in very neutral colors. Mm-hmm. Something also I noticed, because I, I skipped ahead a little bit to watch something for other references. Murphy kind of moves out of the neutral tones the farther they get into the series. She and does. sort of much more bright colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because normally right now we only see her in bright colors when she goes on the air. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought that. We see her in neutrals during the day, but then the bright yeah. colors on air. So I feel like the bright colors were kind of like her toupee. <laughs> um, so Jim enters with his morning all. And we find out that in the time since we've seen them, uh, Jim and Doris took Vladia paddle boating. I love as a Minnesotan because that is a much beloved thing that we do on the lakes. So here's the thing. 
I don't know much about the tidal basin, but I, I always assumed that this line is there because it sounds funny when a Russian says tidal basin. I, it's it's <laughs> pretty solid. Everyone laughs, and I'm, I always think, is this a joke that I'm not getting, or is it just funny because she says tidal basin? <laughs> tidal basin. My favorite moment in this particular little conversation oh. is <laughs> when he, Jim says that there were a few dicey moments when Doris leaned over to pet a duck, and then he does this hand facial gesture yes. to come and you just realize what almost happened just based on what he, it's Charlie Kimbrough man it's really really subtle and great it's just perfect Jim and then she says tomorrow I take you indoors to 31 flavors my treat she's so proud of that she's so proud and then Frank enters and he says hello Vlad and she says hello Frank the way she <laughs> says it I know oh it's just like oh every Everything like, just happened to your to your body when you saw him. It always makes me think like they had a night at Phil's and they stayed up late and they had right? a conversation and this is the next day. There's a lot of innuendo. <laughs> they both know what they both want, but it hasn't happened yet. Like she just had the like the full yeah. body flush just happened. She is lonely, as we find out later. Yeah. Oh yes. And he makes a joke in Russian to her and she giggles. Like you see her go from this kind of Murphy esquiment to like a complete flirt, and I love is it. Is it a joke or well, so, okay. the way he says, we don't know what he says at first, and he says something to her, and he's saying it like it's a joke in Russian. She giggles, and uh, she's like, oh, it's so cute. He asked me where the bus stop is. Like, he learned one phrase, and is just trying it out, but saying it like it's like his pickup line. And this is... I love this so much. So as an adult. He, as an adult, Murphy just looks disgusted. And he goes, and he's, he's saying, you know, he's working on his Russian. He goes, and I'm this close to conjugating a verb. And he does this pincer motion with his finger and it raises and his raises his eyebrows and I just put ew because I know what conjugating a verb means to him in this moment and he's doing in this thing like he's talking to his buddy like guess what that's how I believe that nothing happened last night that they oh, were yes this close but he knows he's just got to seal it they're they're enjoying the anticipation but yeah Frank you dirty bird didn't get that was a sex joke as a kid and that's what we were talking about with uh, with Joe about these specificities <laughs> to Frank that he yes. chose and I was like. Just the way he says it to Murphy, it's so dirty. Oh, it's so dirty. <laughs> and it's just its just that eyebrow and finger pincing. Yeah, so, Murphy hates this. She hates it so much. She says, save his dasvidanias and let them work. Um, which I'm pretty sure I know how to pronounce because of Anastasia growing up. <laughs> I can say thank you in Polish, but thanks to Mel Brooks. Yeah, exactly. So then Frank does this great move where he stands up and starts to walk away, but then swoops around to the other side of Ladia and asks her to dinner. And she says, oh, well, you know, I would love to, but we're probably going to be working very late. And he says, late is not a problem for me. I can stay up very late. And while they're both just swooning over each other, Murphy's in the background doing like a finger gun in her mouth. Because <laughs> she but wants she also, to die. like mocks them and like, oh, yeah. you know, mouths their words. Like she's, she's, like, like, she's a nine-year-old. Oh, she's so like childish. Brother. <laughs> like, it's so great. And then she does the gagging yeah. thing, yeah. And she's just so grossed out by this. Yeah, she is. And Frank gets up and leaves and is very with his swagger. And she's like, I like this Frank, Frank man. <laughs> and, and then Murphy proceeds to say, oh, I... I'm sure you'll have a very nice time. It's eat till you bust night at Ernie's house of pork. She's so done with this. <laughs> she's so, I love She's like, oh, you're going to have a great time. It's super romantic. And then we got the elevator ding. Miles arrives. Very, very doing his thing that he did um, when he was in front of Avery as well, where he's being very official. Yes, yes. Um, that he just arranged for seven European nations to receive the broadcast live, which is a really big deal. Yeah. Because again, like people, you're you're starting to forget throughout the episode. Like she's there for an incredibly important reason that they are. This is a meeting of of two sides. 
And it's, you know, until recently, people, the younger generation, I would say, I don't think anybody who was alive during this time can quite mm-hmm. forget the, the tensions between America and Russia. Yeah. But we've had a, several years of away from the Cold War. We'll yes. put it that way. But at this time period, this was a big deal if you were going to have a a cross-cultural live satellite broadcast. So the fact that you have seven European nations that are all going to broadcast it at the same time is a huge deal. And he says, I'm also going to personally handle all the promotion, including a cover story of Newsweek. And speaking of Newsweek. Indeed. So this episode aired March 13th, 1989. And on March 13th, 1989, Murphy Brown was on the cover of Newsweek. Funny how that works. There's no way they would have known that. I think, but who knows? I don't know. That seems so... You think? I don't know. I mean, for to get covers and stuff like that, you have to plan a long time in advance. There's yeah, a lot I of I guess so. So maybe pieces. it's a little wink? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's two references to Newsweek in the episode. Exactly. It could have been anything else. Yeah. It would have been hard to change up to Newsweek last minute. So uh, Murphy is on the cover, and it, she's wearing her outfit from And So He Goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a pencil in her mouth. And uh, we'll post the picture mm-hmm. on the show notes and on the social media. And the cover says, How Women Are Changing TV, New Power On and Off the Screen. And inside, the the title is Networking Women. And I could not find a copy of this. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have an angel that can provide. Mm. I think I have to look through microfiche at the library to oh, find yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a fun little fact. Back to the story. So he also, Miles also says, <laughs> and on the cover of story of Newsweek, and he's all proud of himself, and then he pulls out in hands, he's like, and here's a personal letter from Meryl Streep com- commending me on a piece about I did about pesticides last year. Honestly, Miles, this need for approval. <laughs> like, really, Murphy? Really? Really, Murphy? And and then we see as well that Vladia has changed her mind about Miles. And she says, in my country, one so young would never. You have won me over. You are like a bulldog. And then he turns and goes, bulldog. Did you hear that, Murphy? <laughs> I love the way that Grant, he, he sort of like semi-clenches like, Bull, his fist. Bulldog. Bulldog. Like, like bulldog. He's so into it. Did you hear that, Murphy? So something interesting from the Murphy Brown book, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm guessing that when, there were actually summaries in the back of mm-hmm. the episodes, that they must have been working from original scripts and not the actual episodes. Because it says in the book that Vladdy and Murphy argue over the location. Should they do the report from inside the studio mm-hmm. or in front of the Washington Monument? And at one point, Miles says, world peace and a 40 share all in one. Maybe an Emmy for me. I think we're making history. Mm-hmm. So that must have maybe something that they cut? They must have yeah. been. I feel like it, it does make sense that they wouldn't have done Washington Monument because that kind of looks like America won. Yeah. Whereas the studio is a neutral. Mm-hmm. Which they end up doing in the studio. I love when Miles stands up because she just goes, my journalists. And that's when Murphy tells him to go find a hydrant. We're yeah. busy. Which then, as he walks away, Vladia says he's very attractive in his own way. To which Murphy shouts, he's gay. Which she's done before. She'll do again yeah. in season two to yeah. be like, I'm done with this conversation and I hate all the people around yep. me. Can we just get on with this? Yep. I forgot that that was like her go-to to shut someone down for flirting with somebody was to just say that the guy is gay. <laughs> no, I mean, not necessarily. The, se- the, the other time I'm referencing is she's pissed at Frank. Yeah. And, and his sister's come up to Murphy and say, we're so glad that you're doing this party together. You know, we, we were so concerned about Frank and we're so glad that you guys are a couple. And she goes, he's gay. Yeah, but I I do, you know, when we talk about timeliness of jokes and so on, that's, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting choice. Um, because we don't we don't see that that joke very often now. No, we don't. But I also so because it's, it's somebody who's absolutely not. Yes. So to me, I'm okay with the joke, though I wouldn't make the joke today. So to me, it's about 
Murphy is trying to get back to work, and so her objective is to just end this and stop her flirting with everybody. No, that's, yeah. Yes, that is the, the reason. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that it's interesting. I'm not offended by it, mm-hmm. but I find it, one, interesting because we're used to seeing that be a joke when somebody is interested in the other party to try and shut someone down. Oh, I see where you're going. Um, okay, I could see that. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm I'm not offended by it. I wouldn't make the joke now. Agreed. But it, it just stood out to me for whatever reason. Same here. And then I, what I love is that we see Olga at work, and she's actually competent. <laughs> she is extremely competent. Yeah, I feel like what we also forgot before to mention was um, Murphy says, you know, I'm in between secretaries myself. Mm-hmm. Why don't you work for both of us? Exactly. Yeah. And they go over and start demanding things of Olga, who's now at Murphy's desk, which is a great way to kind of fill the desk without having a, an American counterpart. But yeah. what you see is that the the Russian assistant is exceedingly com- competent. She's taking information from both of them and ha- holding down the fort, which I found interesting. You know what that scene reminded me of? Hmm. It reminded me of in the inauguration episode when Frank is trying to get information about Jackie yeah. out of Miles. Yeah. It's a very sort of Abbott and Costello back mm-hmm. and forth, mm-hmm. and, and only people who are really adept at comedy mm-hmm would be really good at that. So that's a, a stellar scene. It, it was well, so quick, mm-hmm. it was even hard to like transcribe. Yeah, exactly. And I I would say that I feel like if the choice had been to have an American secretary stuck between the two of them, Murphy's secretary would be completely incompetent and overwhelmed by those two people. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a joke of like the, the staunch Russians, she'd be able to handle it. Yeah. I think it would have been the Murphy secretary, she would not have been able to take all those notes and it would have been a joke about how overwhelmed she was. Yeah. And also something sort of quickly to note uh, for anyone in our audience who doesn't remember or is too young to remember. Um, so this is March of 89 and November 9th, 1989 was when the Berlin Wall fell. Mm-hmm. Which really sort of started the end. Of, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, yeah, that's where I was kind of going when I said the, it's a, we have more distance from the Cold War, but this was a big deal to be having this this topic because it was it, it was not forgotten. No, <laughs> and and very timely at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, for uh, Reagan and Gorbachev were were speaking, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to fight the Cold War. But it was definitely in, it was representing the the very tenuous coming together that was actually happening at that time. Yeah. So so we, we cut to Phil's. And Olga comes in, sits at the bar. Phil figures out she's the Ru- one of the Russians, and he's got all this Russian food and drink. And, and what does she want? It's all in the back. And she wants a hamburger and a Coke. I just, I want a mini-sode of just Phil versus Olga. Oh, yes, this oh, is great. It's delicious, because Mary Pat Gleason is amazing. Should we quickly talk about Mary we Pat? We should. Can we also just give Olga some major props for a strong handshake? Yeah. I was I was trained by my father at a young age to have a strong handshake, and I just love seeing any female. Now, granted, I know they're kind of trying to make her look a little butch because she's Russian joke uh, with that, but I just like, yeah, women have good handshakes. Get it, girl. Yeah, no, she, she knows what she's doing there. Yeah. Um, and so does Mary Pat Gleason. She sure does. So something we found out, interesting enough, Jesse. Yes, is that she is very close friends with Marianne Muller-Liley. Yeah, which we, I just love that those two are friends. We didn't know. We just mentioned that we were gonna. We were mentioning the people that off, you know, Mike that we were gonna mm-hmm. be contacting next, mm-hmm. and she went, 
I might help you with that. I might be able to find a Mary Pat's info for you. Yeah. So she's just like Marianne, one of those character actresses whose faces that you know, who's been in everything. Everything. She's 164 IMDb credits. She is kind of the new Rosario in the new Will and Grace. Mm -hmm. People might know her from that. But she was in Full House and Dear John and Perfect Strangers and Friends and Two Broke Girls and Sex in the City and The Middle and How to Get Away with Murder. One of my favorite movies as a kid, Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, so good. I, that might be one of the first things I recognized her from as Probably, a Probably, yeah. yeah. She's also the waitress in Defending Your Life. Mm-hmm. I think people might know her from that. And then something special to Jesse's heart. She was on an episode of Murder, She Wrote, Everybody. So we're going to take a quick little deep dive into that. So one of the reasons why I just want to call out her episode, um, she's in an episode called Night Fears. It's episode two of season eight. Season eight was a really big deal when we talk about women of a certain age and women being just bosses in in TV was that Murder, She Wrote had been on for seven seasons. The ratings were starting to go down a little bit. And Angela Lansbury, being a boss, was like, no, I'm not going to. I have We have more stories to tell. We're not going anywhere. So because of her, they uprooted Jessica Fletcher from Cabot Cove and sent her to New York City for season eight. Because And she was like, she's going to have younger friends. We're going to keep it active and and light. She's going to be fashion forward. Like, she they, they made it so one... She wasn't going to retire anytime soon, which I love that they did that with an older woman. They're like, no, she's still valid. She's still relevant. We can keep doing this. Uh, She can have younger friends. And so they get her a job teaching in New York. And the first episode is kind of the transition. And the second episode is her first real New York episode. And the setup of it is that she goes in and the guy she's replacing thinks she's a joke, that she's a writer who doesn't deserve this position. And so she's basically the the professor who is an ex-cop and why he thinks she's a bit of a joke, challenges her to basically race to solve a case. And uh, Mary Pat plays a reference librarian in this episode and is obviously fantastic. And I just love her. But I think that episode is very important to talk about the, the, the roles of women and adult mature women within television. That this, this episode would not have happened, A Murder, She Wrote, if we didn't have a strong, mature woman in charge of saying, like, no, I'm not irrelevant yet. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Phil's very upset because now he has a refrigerator full of borscht, uh, which uh, he looks so sad about. He says, I got a kitchen that looks like downtown Minsk and that's she a- wants the golden arches. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, Phil, really? Did you think that that's not what was going to happen? Yeah, they're in a new place. Of course they want to eat American things. Yeah, why would you want? Anyway, everyone except for Murphy is sitting having probably lunch, I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frank is is just so in love with Vlad. He wants to know if she's been talking about him. And, and Miles gets the, the point of, or the crux of this whole thing. He calls him out. He calls him out. It's awesome. He Miles thinks that the real appeal, I'm so with you, Frank. I get it. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that Vladia will be leaving soon. There's an expiration date. Exactly. And... And Jim, very, I think, out of character for him, but it is also great. Except for the ending of it is very him. It is very, yes. He turns sort of very deadpan to Frank. She said she's deeply in love with you and she wants to become your wife. And Frank blanches and you see the neurotic commitment phobe. And there's just a beat. And then <laughs> Jim, amused with himself, goes, hmm, I'm such a card. No, this is actually, <laughs> this scene has a blooper. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Where I guess everyone had been laughing for so long. <laughs> We're not really sure why, but that happens a lot yeah. on the show. And you hear Barnett ask, okay, who hasn't laughed yet? And Grant raises his hand, and then they all sort of laugh again. 
<laughs> this is when Murphy's actually at the table, yes. which is you know going to happen later. Murphy comes in in blue gloves, guys. Mm. Blue leather gloves and a blue jacket. Gorgeous. I love it so much. And that she hates Vlad and wants everyone to commiserate with her. Also, I just love that we're you that we're using a what is usually a masculine name as like the the shortened named for her for Vladia. When we see when we at least as Americans hear Vlad, we think it's going to be some like bruiser dude. Okay. Who walks in? But I love that she has a semi masculine nickname which suits with murphy as well murph you would not immediately think is a woman yeah which we know is a it was mm-hmm. a maiden name but i just love that they both have this kind of one this monosyllabic kind of androgynous nickname yeah so she goes through sort of what she thinks you know vlad's bad qualities are she's stubborn she's rude she grates on her like the bgs she's describing herself yes she is <laughs> and frank wants to know if she said anything about him. <laughs> murphy goes come on I just, oh, I, so good. I love it. Because he's just swooning. Yeah, and, and Miles doesn't get it. You know, yes, she's tough, but he likes her. Murphy wants Jim to back her up, but, but Jim likes her too. And he talks about the, you know, working with the, with the team is hard. You know, working, working with another person, I should say, is hard as a team. And, and he had to once work with Garrett Utley. I almost slapped him. <laughs> Murphy goes sort of to sulk at the bar, and um, Miles goes up to her and He's concerned. You know, my, my picture of Glassnose doesn't include two women rolling on the floor strangling each other with mic cords. Murphy says she's a professional. You know, when was the last time she couldn't hide her feelings during a broadcast? And I thought, yes, you were suspended for that, Murphy. I mean, it was like, we just <laughs> talked about how you can't do yeah. that, Murphy. But she doesn't mention that time. I know that. I found that interesting. Which means that there's a lot of times. Yep. Right? So many. She was not including Phyllis Schlafly, which made me cowl with laughter, uh, Burt Lance or Shirley MacLaine. And she, she does these little sort of pauses. And mm-hmm. Okay, bad question. Can we talk about these horrible people? Yes, let's talk about them. And by the way, what Murphy thinks are horrible people, one of... I would say two of these people are probably bad people. Um, well, I Shirley MacLaine was a joke. No, so that's time. what I, that's yeah. what I want to yeah. get to. That's why I'm like She's, we asterisk. Both, we both love her. Yes, um, but I know why Murphy would have disliked her. But first Same. and foremost, Phyllis Schlafly. I wrote an entire paper in which I referenced Phyllis Schlafly just so I could use her as the wrong reference, as the the counter argument that I then got to shoot down constantly. Um, I did a thesis in undergrad about. Top Girls by Carol Churchill, and I used Phyllis Schlafly references nice. to argue against it. And um, she's, therefore, I have a lot of distaste for this woman having had to take in her opposing point of view. So Phyllis Schlafly is most famous for being a conservative political activist. In particular, she was very against the Equal Rights Amendment, which, for those of you who don't know, that was a proposed amendment, and it was designed to guarantee equal legal rights for all American citizens, regardless of sex. It was seeking to end legal distinctions between men and women in terms of divorce, property, employment, and other matters. Very hot-button topic to this day. Yes. She was very against it. Um, She wrote multiple books um, that, you know what, I read them so you don't have to. Oh, yes. Um, That Although if you're someone like me, I, I am a firm believer that if I want to disagree with someone, I need to know exactly what they're saying. I need to hear it, understand it, so I can then argue against it properly. I agree. It's why I read Twilight. Um, so that I could tell people exactly why I dislike it. Okay, I won't reach Fifty Shades of Grey, so I'm sorry. I, I draw the line there. I, it's... You read it? If it's, if you're reading it for comedy, it's great. Okay. Um, I, I read that one so you don't have to. Um, so basically she spoke at length 
about how women need to be in their proper place as homemakers and and mothers and wives. And while I think that if you are free to choose that lifestyle and that is what you that is what you want, all to you. Agreed. Homemakers are incredibly hardworking people who deserve all of their respect. So are the people who do not choose that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And she did not agree with that. Um, the greatest thing about Phyllis Schlafly is that while she preached about all these things about how women need to stay home and be homemakers, she did the exact opposite. I'm literally raising my hands going, yes, here we go. This is why she's the worst. Um, she was a constitutional lawyer. She was constantly out and about at speaking on behalf of women who stay at home while never staying at home herself. Um, she, she just was everything that she was preaching against. And I find her very upsetting. Um, so if I was Murphy, I would not have been able to keep my face still either because I would have spent the entire time like just doing little ticks next to everything she said that was hypocritical. And if I may jump in real quickly, mm-hmm. what I was telling Jesse off mic was I first knew who she was as the butt of jokes in 80s sitcoms. Which is where I believe she deserves to stay. There you go. I mean, rest in peace and all the best to her fam- her remaining, her surviving yes. family. But I think that her work and what she represented deserves to live as a, as a punchline. And for those of you who might want a quick little video about her, if you're unfamiliar, mm-hmm. the Makers documentary. So good. It's gr- really great. Diane and Candace are in it, actually. Mm-hmm. And there the, there is a section about her that is very succinct, and I highly recommend it. Yes, I cannot be succinct about Phyllis Schlafly because I have oh so many thoughts. Um, and I want no, I don't want those hours back from reading her stuff because now I know why I dislike her. Anyway, so Burt Lance, who is mentioned, is best known because he was part of the Carter administration, but he resigned very early on due to a scandal in office. He was eventually cleared of all the charges, actually, um, but he was a businessman and he was serving as the director of the Office of Management and Budget under Jimmy Carter. And within the, I think the first year of the first term, he had to resign because the scandal was such a big deal. I felt like reading about him because I had to remind myself of who he was, I'm sorry to say. Um, I was like, oh my God, this is so topical right now. Mm-hmm. I will say, fun fact about Bert, he is credited with popularizing the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes. Which is problematic given his history. <laughs> uh, can I talk about why we both probably think that Murphy hates Shirley MacLaine? Because she's new age? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Because there was, she was sort of the butt of jokes because she wrote a book in which she said that she had many past lives. She believes in, her spirituality yeah. believes in reincarnation. But and instead of maybe just respecting what she thought, it was considered mm-hmm. sort of a little out there. And so she was the butt of a lot of jokes. But what I love about Shirley MacLaine, mm-hmm. many things I love about Shirley MacLaine, but on this topic, mm-hmm. in the film Defending Your Life, which we just spoke about, mm-hmm. there is a scene where they go to the reincarnation pavilion, I love this movie so oh, much, so good. to see their past lives, mm-hmm. and the intro is done by Shirley MacLaine. Sure is. She has a sense of humor about herself. That's why I love her. I love her so much. A, a she's so talented, but also she knows that People don't take her seriously, and it doesn't matter to her. She takes herself seriously, and that's what matters. Um, But I do understand why the um, the public face of Shirley MacLaine is something that Murphy Brown has no interest in. Yeah, and and that's sort of faded away, and you know, I think because she handled it so well. 
Exactly. So Vlad comes in and Murphy really, you know, takes Miles' words to heart and Miles says that they should find some common ground and they should take some time off before the broadcast and do something that day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're pretty much done with their work, something that they can sort of bond over. What has Vladia always wanted to do? And she wants to go to Atlantic City. Fair. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and I love that Murphy goes, you're kidding. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and they decide that they're going to take the 9 a.m. shuttle. And Vlad thinks this is going to be a very good time for them. Very mm-hmm. good time for them. So my father owned a furniture store, which mm-hmm. is my grandfather's. And um, there would be shows in Atlantic City that we would go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember the to- first time I have a memory of it. So maybe this is later. But it was not the way they describe it. It was not Las Vegas to me. It was kind of seedy and run down. Mm-hmm. And I remember the Taj Mahal Trump's mm-hmm. casino being, you know, condemned or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was bankruptcy. And it was before they let kids be in the casino. Yeah. So because we were there, we'd have to take these weird roundabout ways through the hotel and like down the stairs yeah. and in the basement just to get around the casino to get out. Yeah. One time cops were chasing a guy. That's how Ooh. far off we were. That's cool. Yeah. But I can see why if... No, I see why she I wants to go. I see why the Russian wants to go. But then again, I wouldn't be seeing nudes on ice, would yeah, I? Yeah, you would not no. be seeing nudes on ice. You would not. Or may... You would not. Yes. They make this plan to go to Atlantic City, and we cut to the broadcast. And it's not a very relaxed broadcast. Everyone oh. seems very stressed out. And we hear that it's three minutes till air, and it's not like Murphy to be late. And Miles is freaking out. And he's like, it's not like it's not like we'll have an hour of dead air. I mean, we can just film my heart attack. And he's like, but it's fine. Because the point is, is that they're having fun playing Keno together. <laughs> he's, it's very Miles right now. So as everyone's freaking out, there's three minutes to go. They have to, like, it's a live broadcast. And, and let's remember, seven European nations are tuning in. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the women appear. And we have Murphy and an I'm with Stupid sweater where the arrow is constantly pointing at Vlad. By the way, they eventually took publicity pictures for season two with this sweater with her and Miles, and it's in the the soundtrack thing. The liner notes? Yeah. And then we have Vlad in what looks like a sweater puppy outfit. It's very it's a very interesting outfit. I, I stared at it for a long time and then I realized I had to keep watching. But they are both very upset and we find out that they missed the last shuttle because someone had to go through the Graceland on Boardwalk Elvis Museum twice. Meaning Vlad. And we have a big Murphyism where she says she just spent the last four hours driving at warp speed in a cheap rental car that smelled of cigarettes with windows that wouldn't go down with a sh- and a shrill wor- whining noise in the passenger area, glaring at uh, Vlad. And something, if I can point out, when mm-hmm. they get them ready, mm-hmm. I may be wrong, but I actually, for some reason, I think as I was watching a, uh, the Emmy interviews mm-hmm. of, the, of anything about Murphy to get some behind-the-scenes stuff just to remind me, mm-hmm. and then it played Judy Crown, who was the hairstylist, her talking about being, and she said, oh yeah, one time I was actually on the show, and she didn't say which episode. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching it, and I went, I think that's her. That would be that would make sense. So the blonde, who is actually the one who's mostly Fixing doing Candace's hair, yep. is actually her hairstylist, for, or the hairstylist for the show. Which makes sense. She has two Emmys, one of which is for Designing Women. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So they start going back and forth about how uh, their grievances with each other. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Murphy called the rental guy a weenie in a bow tie. So that probably didn't help them with getting a nice car. And then, apparently, Vlad needs to, has a lot to learn about reading a map. And then, apparently, we find out from Vlad that Murphy is cheap. And that she ate, he, she ate a free pancake breakfast at four different locations. Spoiler, Murphy is cheap. Murphy is cheap. But guess what? That's how you become frugal. 
then we find out that Vlad was throwing back every free drink possible at the casino. And she says she hopes they'll be opening a Rice of Gorbachev clinic real soon for her. That's such a great line. It's such a great, for those, like, it's, it's a Betty Ford. Yeah, it's Gorbachev's wife. It's Gorbachev's wife. So it's, we know that Murphy is intimately aware of Betty Ford Clinic. Mm-hmm. She's hoping the Russian equivalent will happen soon for, for Vlad. Um, we find out that Murphy fed the slot machine for 20 minutes until Vlad pulled her away. The old lady got the jackpot on the next turn. And she says, you owe me $27 and I'm only going to say that once. Which, which Vlad says, this is the sixth time you're only going to say that once. It's a really great back and forth. It's so good. They're, they are equals. I have to say kudos to um should we talk about Robin's Frost? about Robin. And kudos to her. Like she is she's toe to toe with Candace Bergen. Robin Strasser was born May 7th, 1945. She's best known as Dorian Lord from One Life to Live on ABC. Um fun little fun fact, her birth name is Robin Victory in Europe Strasser. So awesome. That is so cool and I uh, uh, cuz she was born on the day Germany surrendered in World War II. Which I was like Wow, that is so specific. It's that is a fascinating little life. To, I just yeah, think that's really cool. Something that I enjoy as uh, linking into another great actress that we we spoke to, Marian Muller Lily. Robin from two thousand one to two thousand two appeared on Passions as a three hundred year old witch named Hecuba. So she is uh, she's been an act actively an actress from 1964 and she's still going she returned to play dorian again uh from 93 to 2000 and then 2003 for the online revival of the series Mm -hmm. yeah and she's um you can you can find her on twitter you can go look up her imdb she is still actively out there and working just like marianne is uh we find once after she says the the sixth time you're only going to say that once murphy says she she can't take anything she says seriously but that stupid accent it sounds like you should be plotting big trouble for moose and squirrel it's a great line and i realized that i would sometimes repeat this line mm-hmm. forgetting that it was from murphy brown yeah well, i would just say it to people like in, in reference to something russian well i realized i i have a lot of uh younger co-workers at my day job and i made a moose and squirrel reference and i realized most of them have no idea what i'm talking about because none of them knew rocky and bullwinkle which makes me so sad because when i hear a strong russian accent it is the first thing i think <laughs> i love boris and natasha oh they, they so are fantastic much. i love them so much uh it's where i learned how to practice one and then she proceeds to tell murphy i lied before you looked stupid when wayne newton took you on stage and sang to you the way newton i like <laughs> the way newton some things are just really funny in that accent it's so great and then murphy proceeds to say we kicked your butts in the cuban missile crisis and then they're like no, no guys we actually have to do the show now and yeah. neither of them want to wear the melon blazer they're just throwing, they're they're taking them out of their outfits and just throwing blazers on them. It's the only time, and I know that Murphy is really yelling at Vlad, mm-hmm. but it's the only time I've seen her act like a diva to the crew. Exactly. I won't wear the, I won't wear the melon, I never wear the melon on the air. Yep. And I was like, oh, little Murphy. And then she says, okay, I'll wear the melon, but I'm, I'm not going on until I get my 27 bucks. And then Vlad says she'll pay her after she pays her for her ticket for nudes on ice, buster. <laughs> and I love this next Corky moment. Corky walks up to them right before we go into air. And she says, I'm just going to say one thing and then I'm out of it. You two have the opportunity to do something that Risa Gorbachev and Nancy Reagan couldn't do. And that's to rise above it all and show the world that women can make a difference. Think about that when the red light comes on and millions of eyes are on you. Corky for the win. It was, That little speech is so good. And I straight up cheered and started applauding. It's my favorite part of the episode. It's the best. It's the best line of the episode. And if I can say, this is not one of my favorite episodes. I, mm-hmm. don't watch, I have not watched it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's a lot of season one. I just, just haven't watched a lot. But... 
I was trying to think as I was watching it, why don't I like it? Is it because there's two women arguing with each other mm-hmm. and not getting along? And then that line happened, which I'd forgotten. I went, oh, Lauren, of course, that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. And and I love it so much. And I, I, I don't know why it's not one of my favorites particularly, but the message is really beautiful. And it's something we really need right now. Yeah. It's when she said that, because of our current climate, it meant so much more to me than just the American-Russian conversation. Yeah, it a- makes me think about the split in our country right now, the bipartisan <sighs> problems. Yeah. Um, it just is that thing of like, let's actually get over it and and work together and actually make a difference for a greater good. And not it's it's yeah. such a good. I love that Corky got it. I I love that we gave her that moment and then with a perfect Corkyism, then just turns and goes. And think about asking my opinion when you have a wardrobe question. Those jackets make you look flat-chested. Yeah, and she, then she storms back to the desk. She's so offended. She's so like, oh, I could have helped you. dare you do that? It's so great. And so then they have the five, four, three, two, one, and they are just heaving breaths. Like, it is, you just see them, like, getting, they're stuck together and they're going to do this. And we go to Jim, who opens, and, and he says, Murphy is joined by a special guest. And you see Murphy with her. Thank you, Jim. And they do the exact same pasted smile niceties and they do this head turn at the same moment and just like and they're in their element and they are the same person and they but it's this so professional thing of like oh we love each other and it's great look at the camera it's it's that again it's the like the news show trope yes nobody's gonna know what's happening behind that camera no (laughs) it's just that you just immediately see them like lock in they're like hi i mean i think it's the same reason why we love the west wing you Mm -hmm. know aaron sorkin says that he he is interested in those 10 seconds before the camera goes on, uh-huh. you know, before the CNN interview, the, the yep. behind the scenes stuff, you know, and, and you watch a lot of Sorkin and a lot of this is that we don't see a lot of the on air stuff because uh-huh. that's not interesting. That's not what it's about. Yeah. We've seen that. That's when it fades out. That's exactly. when we're sort of done or we cut to the end uh-huh. of the program, you know. I'm always a little thrown off when I uh, when I watch Murphy and we see a lot of the broadcast. Yes. It all I, it doesn't. Also, because it, it feels fake to me because I I want the backstory. Like, that's what I'm here for is what's happening. So whenever they're doing a story, I'm like, well, I know this isn't real because there's more. Like, I'm here for what's happening. Her Murphy voice also helps. Oh, I love it. I'm on air now. I'm on air now. I'm Diane Sawyer. Mm. Even her face is different. It's so great. Yeah. And that's what they, they both you. do the same face. Thank you very much. So we cut to the townhouse. Um, Murphy's having a party for Vlad. There's photographers. They're they're both in very 1980s outfits, mm-hmm. if I may say. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Those shoulder pads are to die mm-hmm. for. Uh, we got blue. We got pink. Something interesting. The book, again, the Murphy Brown book, references that there's a whole thing with Eldon. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times for time, Eldon a lot of times gets cut for time. Which, is, I mean, I get it. Yeah, because it's not part of the plot. And yep. if you, you know, the, the episode has to run a certain time, so there's enough mm-hmm. commercials. So you're sort of, sometimes you're stuck if it runs long. Murphy feels that the, the photographer should give them a chance. You know, Vlad has a, a like long flight tomorrow, which is a good little drop-in for mm-hmm. later on. So we know, you know, when it comes up again, they, they, should, they should let them be and they mm-hmm. should get going. Eldon starts greeting everybody and saying goodbyes if he's the husband. I love his extreme love of pink and black because he's wearing it again for because of this he will forever be in that pink and black bowling shirt that he loves so much yeah but his dressy outfit is pink and black it's just it's so nice it's i like so it elton it's so uh 1960s yeah he's five? yeah he's very dated and yeah. i love it He's retro. Yeah. You know. He makes it work. There's a, some Russian guy, we're not really sure who he is, you know, like <laughs> comes over and just like, I'm Russian guy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
direct quote. That Russian guy. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I like to say specific when I do the, the mm, summary. Yes. Uh, who probably, I'm guessing, is actually Russian by his accent. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty strong. Yeah. So pretty much everyone's gone, but the three of them, Eldon, Vlad, and Murphy. Mm-hmm. And they're both very tired. You know, Eldon's all wired, and he wants to watch a tape. This is so he freaking random. He wants to random. watch a tape. He wants to watch a tape. And his tapes are at the house. He's like, you got my tapes mixed with yours. Oh, my girlfriend lent this to me. And I love we get a call back to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think she gets mentioned again in season yeah. two. Yeah. I love her. So they dated for a bit. Yeah. So it's E.T., which Murphy thinks is drivel. I know. I could see it. Listen, she's an I adult woman. I, I get it. I get At it. At the time, no one was quite knew what it was going to be. Spielberg wasn't. Spielberg, yeah, exactly. you know, he did make kids movies in a way. My just my inner child is so offended. I'm sorry. I never saw E.T. in the theater because mm-hmm. I was too scared. And then they re-released it, mm-hmm. and my mother was going to take me. And I remember, I really remember, like, I was sitting on the stairs. It was really small, mm-hmm. of my attic. And she's like, it's okay. And I was like, I don't, I just, I think I'm scared. <laughs> and she tried to convince me to go. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't, like, they were all ready to get in the car and go see E.T. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> so my parents, my dad, my dad, we will put all the blame on this. Okay. And his, his memory will be proud of it. Would, did not shield me from movies. I mean, I was going with him to movies that were probably too mature for me at a very I was his movie buddy mm-hmm. we were buds and we went to movies together and there are several movies that I remember traumatizing me as a child the worst was The Witches starring Angelica Houston I was terrified of I checked all women for lavender eyes after that movie I was so messed up but it still is one of my favorite like dark child films um, I also loved The Dark Crystal but I I remember, I remember Jurassic Park terrifying me. I remember seeing that in the theater and being terrified. But what I didn't realize, I grew up most of my life thinking that I had adored E.T. I thought I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was probably a teenager and we watched it on tape. And just like, oh, let's watch an oldie. Watched it on tape. And I didn't realize that I had blocked out the hazmat suit scene. Oh, it's scary. I didn't remember it at all. I'd spent decades assuming that I loved this movie so much and there was an entire section that I had traumatized me so badly that I just made myself forget it happened and I was scared by the commercials I didn't know that scene was in it E.T. scared me yes well E.T. was scary man he was a creepy little dude god I wonder how old I was I gotta find figure out how old I was but so anyway no but Murphy did not realize and we will find out did not realize the power of E.T. yes now here's something I wanted to pose to you Mm. and I don't know if it's just the way that it's not the way it's written it's the way that Robert is playing it Bladia Huh? Vladia? Oh, no, no. I didn't know. Oh, I just love how he calls her Vladia. Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) No. It it feels to me like he's doing this on purpose to get them to to talk to each other. It's just there's something in the way that he delivers some of the lines Mm -hmm. that makes me go, Elton, are you you doing a meet-cute? There's a... But not the words. Not the words. No. Just the delivery. There's a quality to his interpretation of Elton that while... Eldon is sometimes blissfully ignorant and just is, doesn't let things affect him in the way it does other people. And so he just misses cues, which makes him so lovable. Mm-hmm. He's definitely smarter than I think a, a lot of people, including Murphy, give him credit for. Absolutely. I, I did not get that interpretation watching this. But now that you're saying it, I would 100% believe it. Yeah. But I also see him just being like, I'm going to watch a movie. And yeah. completely missing the fact that they're at each other's throats. And it changes every time I watch it. Because, yeah. again, it's it's. I don't know if it's just because Robert has a really interesting and different way of reading lines. Mm-hmm. or. 
So yeah, so that's something that sort of, you know, came. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So they somehow, you know, they decide to watch this movie. We cut to, they're crying, like <laughs> sobbing at the end of it. Wait, you missed when he says Shutsyupsky. Oh yeah, they're, they're <laughs> talking during it and he's already started the movie and he says Shutsyupsky. Oh, also speaking of when they start the music. Yeah. Um, how much do you think it costs for them to get the real score? I was thinking the same thing. How much do you think John Williams' score costs oh, for them to get? Oh, so expensive. I need to know, because it has to be so expensive. That's the real score. I know. And they play it twice. They play it twice. That's, I thought that too. I was like, oh, guys. I literally am like, how much was that? Is this why we don't have season two? <laughs> because <laughs> it's all John Williams. What if that was it? What if it's not oh the Motown? What the- if John Williams cost so much money that they were like, we're done. We're, we can't do it. It's not you, worth it. Sorry. Star Wars has ruined Murphy Brown. Dang it, John Williams. Oh, man. Damn Star Wars and feminism. Um, Eldon is not moved at all. He's disappointed on the film. He's dissecting it like a fanboy. <laughs> he is. This is what I love is that and granted, it is a bit of a, like, women and their emotions, he even says women, Yeah, trope. But I, Eldon is me, where if the logistics don't make sense, it takes me out of the movie. <laughs> Eldon, like we said, is a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And he just can't believe that an alien could be able to eat, you know, earth candy. He's, he's like, he's, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for him. And again, this episode is all about set something up and then swap it. It's mm-hmm. really, it's, obviously yeah. that's usually most comedy, but this episode in particular, everything is dependent upon yeah. that. And it's set up with, he was just like wistfully and childishly wanting to watch yeah, this movie. to see this. And they're both like, oh, it's drivel. I'd like something more, you know, more oh. mentally stimulating. And then we turn around and they are the ones who are overwhelmed emotionally. And he's like, I don't, it, I don't get it. I just remember we missed the fact, he missed the movie because a, lo- a job took a lot longer than he thought. <laughs> Really, Eldon? Really, Eldon? You did it? So they're crying, and they're saying that they're not crying, that, you know, that, that it, was, it was a fake suit, and it was manipulation, and they're making up all these excuses, but, you know, they're, they're crying. So Eldon, you know, leaves them alone. So they both agree that Murphy will not tell Newsweek that they cried at E.T. <laughs> if Vladia promises not to tell Pravda. Uh, and then they laugh, and then Vlad says that she's surprised that Murphy never saw the movie, but she is, you know, who has time? Neither you know, she, of them. She she spends all her time in an airplane. Vlad says the last time she saw a movie, she tried to put on her seatbelt. It's <laughs> such a great line. You know, they, they commiserate that on their 40th birthday, you know, Vlad was alone in a hotel room in East Berlin. Murphy was on a Jeep and her crew put a, a candle in a Hershey bar. <laughs> Whenever she tells that story, I think I go, okay, so she was drinking at that time mm-hmm. because Murphy's 40 when we meet her. Mm-hmm. Although... Um, watching the episodes now, I realize that that timeline's off a little bit. It's fine. Oh, it's, it's fine. fine. Um, which I never realized as a kid. The magic of yeah. television. Yeah. So she, she she gets older every season, not when she's supposed to get older. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, you know, they, they, they talk about how, you know, having a relationship is hard because, you know, you don't have time and then you're always flying away and... Everything that we will find out later is what happens to Murphy's relationships, yep. you know? You know, th- there's really some sort of balance. And then she asks Murphy if she ever thinks about having children... And she says, all the time. Which fascinates me. I, Coming out of baby love, where it was a new concept to her to I, consider. I think... Per, per the dialogue. Yeah, but I also think that it's something that... Well, okay. So she's not asking her... She's asking her in the present. Mm-hmm. So baby this love since. Yeah. yeah, so since. Exactly. But I that is something that I was like, oh... I, I, my head says it's because of the events of baby love. I think so. Yeah. I see mm-hmm. where you're going. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of awakened this thing in yeah. her. But I also love it because it, 
it's consistency mm-hmm. to something that leads us to the end of season three. Exactly. Well, and what what I love about it, and why it gives me little chills as a listener, uh, or as a as a fan, is that it is something that that a character could say that gives us a lot of depth of their inner life. But what it does as your as an audience member is it's something that it's a chime in your head that you can trace back to something that you witnessed and it's something that you shared with that character. Mm -hmm. It makes you go, oh, it's because of that. And it's this like Easter egg for you that if if you didn't know the context of baby love, you would, it would still be meaningful about her. But if you were watching from the beginning and you watched her go through this thing, it, it connects you personally to the events of her life that you got to be present for. Yeah, this show spoiled me to continuity. It sure did. Because a lot did. of sitcoms don't do continuity. And just small payoffs. Yeah, you know, mm. they were really good about, you know, most of the time keeping to that Bible. Mm-hmm. So, Murphy says that they should, you know, should stay. There's pudding, uh, moose, I'm sorry. There's, there's moose. moose. There's moose in the in the kitchen. They have some coffee. But but Vlad needs to go. She, she has a date with Frank. She's like, maybe I'll get lucky. And Murphy goes, maybe? <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get with Frank. Yeah, well, everybody knows you guys are going to get together. Yeah. Get together. Head cannon. She gets with Frank. Oh, she got with Frank. Yeah. But Murphy feels she needs to give her something, and she pulls an album, Aretha Franklin album, out of uh, her record sort of yeah. area. First of all, I have an all caps on, like, she gives her Aretha? Yes. That's, like, a, that's a huge deal. A classic Aretha. And, and while I recognize that they have bonded in a unique way i'm like really it's a signed aretha franklin album of i never loved a man the way i love you i think murphy's also just feels bad i think she feels bad i think she sees a kindred who i feel like this song in particular maybe is something that they a feeling they both share yeah that somebody who will really understand this song for those of you who don't know it's um it's the 11th that album is the 11th studio album by Aretha Franklin. And it's one of our mutual favorites. I just, because, and this is, you know, spoiler of favorite moments that happen on the show, Murphy gets to meet Aretha. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge deal to Murphy. This is, getting a signed Aretha album is no small task, even for Murphy Brown. Yeah, she obviously didn't get it in person. Yeah, because she's never met her before. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a huge gesture to to give her not only an Aretha album, but a signed Aretha album. So I, my little headcanon for this moment is that this, this is somebody who will really understand the gesture. Yeah, and I think, you know, Murphy doesn't have a lot of female friends mm-hmm. who are in the same situation as she is. Really gets what she's going through. That's, you know, I think that she sees what a missed opportunity it was and it's like, oh, don't go yet. Oh, wait, you know. Mm-hmm. She said that they'll talk on the phone, which I'm sure they never do. Mm-hmm. She can call from work. Not that she's cheap or anything. Yeah, because, you know, work will pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're about to shake hands at the door. And instead, they decide to put out their fingers like Little. at the end of E.T. We're doing it right We're now. We're doing it right now. E.T. Hey, and then the John Williams music plays. Um, that's twice. That's twice. I just need to know, is that in the script that they do the E.T. Oh, finger? Absolutely. Is that it's Barnett good. Kelman's choice or is that one of their? I oh, need to know who okay. did this. I think it's in the script. I assume it is. But then all of a sudden I was like, I don't know. Based on the stories we have about Barnett, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a great moment of instead of having a really meaningful handshake or hug, that they have this really cute thing that just endears them to all And then they just added they, the yeah. music in post. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they obviously... Who did it? I mean, they obviously did, but, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a second thought. Mm-hmm. Well, you never know. We'll see. And so we are done 
with the Moscow. Russians and the Russians we are done but you know what hopefully we are done with them in our lives but I don't think we are oh my god I'm, I'm losing my accent I'm fine if they're in our lives I just hope that they're positively in our lives I haven't done this accent in a long time and I, I mean clearly away. the people come here for our accent work so I'm very well, yeah. disappointed with you um Anyway, so that is episode 16. Yes. Um, Again. Oh. oh. (laughs) Yes, Jesse, continue. uh, No, I just wanted to say again, this was not an episode that either of us were particularly like, oh, yay, we're on that episode. Yeah. And it brought up some really cool stuff for me. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm very thankful again for this podcast so that I can go back and reassess these things because. Same here. You know what? I actually really like this episode now. Yeah. I love what it's saying about women and about people in general from different backgrounds or who are told to be enemies yes because and that's what it's about that's what it, it is we are supposed to be enemies we are oppo- we are opposites and we cannot find a common ground it's black and white and it's actually not it is gray so you should follow us on social media you should we're fun we are we're we so are fun. on the instagram yes we on are the, on the twitter and the facebooks indeed it is murphy brown pod and that is murphy brown pod as in short for podcast murphybrownpod.com murphybrownpod at gmail.com we like to keep it simple Mm -hmm. you can listen to our Spotify playlist it's called the Murphy Brown Empowerment Playlist it's songs from Murphy Brown and inspired by Murphy Brown from the Motown era and alike you can either find it on Spotify if you're used to using it otherwise we do have a link to get to it on the website so the next episode episode 17 is my dinner with Einstein and we'll see you next week for another edition of FYI the Murphy Brown Podcast (laughs) 